Hello, and welcome to The Challengers. I'm Amy Brenneman. This episode of the podcast was recorded on June 2nd, 2020, just over a week after George Floyd, a black man, was murdered by police in Minneapolis, and large protests started in major cities throughout the country and the world. Actor, activist, and my friend, Ajani A.J. Murray, joins me to talk about the events of the past week, racism in America, and the challenges of disability. We also take some questions from you. Let's get started. You know, I have nothing of wisdom to say right now, except that I know that what we're seeing on the streets in Los Angeles and all over the country and all over the world has to happen. I am so overwhelmed by the violence that are coming at the protesters. It's not something, you know, I think that our president has always wanted military dictatorship, but you know, it's got me, it's got me scared. And then I think like, well, F that, like, I'm not gonna, you want me to be scared. I mean, he's nothing if not a showman. And, but here in, in Los Angeles, it's, it's incredible um, what's going on. We do have a curfew. Um, we did have some looting nearby, but that's, that's going to happen. Um, I have no opinion on that either. I feel like my job as, um, as a white lady is just to be quiet. I had a, I had a similar, although it was sort of more private awakening uh, two years ago when I read Rebecca Traster's book, Good and Mad, uh, which is really about um, feminism and women in American politics. And it was just as jaw-dropping to see systemic patriarchy as it is what we are learning now uh, in a deeper, a new about systemic racism. And um, I was shaking after I read that book and it was very hard to integrate into my life, uh, not because necessarily my life doesn't reflect some of those values, but just the, the, the level that um, the scrutiny that, that it, it led that book. So I got off a plane, I read it on a plane, I got off the plane and my, my husband said like, what's going on? Are you mad at me? <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, uh, not you in particular, but I said, I'm, um, here's how it's going to be righted. You know, you as a straight white guy have to be in service to women all the time. And me as a white lady have to be in service to people of color all the time. And that's the way we're going to begin to actually, um, write the ship but i know nothing i know nothing so i am so relieved to um have on the show today um a friend from i guess six or seven years ago we met and we'll sort of talk about how we know each other ajani murray who i know as aj is an actor and an activist and he's coming to us from uh, atlanta georgia Welcome to the Challengers, Ajani. <laughs> oh, great! Thank you. Um, it's it's so great and um, humbling, especially in this time, and surreal to be a part of this, especially on this day and in this time. Thank you very much from the bottom of my heart for inviting me to be a part of the challenge conversation. Dude, I, I'm telling you, if I had, I mean, we always have great guests. So honestly, there's, but if um, it's, with the, honestly, if there was anybody but you, I probably would have stayed in bed. 
Um, we were talking a little bit before we, we started uh, going live that um, you had this great phrase. You said, you're just, you're trying to keep your sanity intact today. Cause if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Anyway, how are you? As I told you earlier, I'm just, I'm trying to do the best that I can. I feel like it is my number one job to try to do the best that I can do uh, to keep my sanity intact. You know, I have a myriad of emotions uh, from day to day. And honestly, it all feels like it's in a blender. It feels very much like a a little, and I'm not speaking figuratively right now, it feels like a little dream because we have all these things sort of coming around at once. You have 45, you have a, a, a world pandemic, and you have all this uh, unjust uh, racial upheaval going on. And so all this is culminating and cooking all at once. And so I don't know how I'm processing it. All I know is it's just one day at a time. And um, uh, I'm going to stop before. No, I, I'm I glad this, you don't. I know this <laughs> is a show and I could just, it might just be me rambling. So No, I'm glad I, 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 I well, I'll tell you, okay, I'll tell everybody how I know you. Okay. How about that? Um, so they can Google as they're listening. Um, I met Ajani uh, six years ago. Yeah, just about maybe, I was, yeah, I would say about six years ago because the movie came out in, in uh, 2014. And so the first time I met you, we were actually on, on the road, you know, because the, the doc was coming out. So that was about six years ago. So the documentary we're talking about is called Becoming Bulletproof, and it's about uh, an incredible organization called Zeno Mountain Farm, where people um, come together, uh, they move differently, they th- they talk differently, they speak differently. Um, yeah, a whole so array of disabilities. whole array, right. And um, I got, actually, my friend Jessica Tuck turned me on to it. She had met Will, and, uh, you know, my daughter, as many of you know, has a, a cognitive difference and a, a very rare chromosomal abnormality. So I'm always interested in how, how disability people are doing it. And um, more often than not, and there's good people everywhere, um, there's a very bright shining line between the person with a disability and the helper, right? So it's your buddy or it's Special Olympics and, you know, great stuff comes out of it. But Zeno is very forward motion because they they don't look at those demarcations at all. It's very fluid. People get the help that they need, but it's not like camper and counselor at all. So C, becoming bulletproof because it's awesome. And then you and I made, we kept up. And um, and then last summer we saw each other in um, in Vermont at Zeno. Yeah, and, and you finally, after many, many years, uh, the stars aligned, and you um, got involved in our crazy bunch <laughs> at, at summer camp, and uh, I did. We had a couple scenes together, and we acted you know, together. We're, yeah, we're having lunch together, and um, you're feeding me because I, I need help. What is your diagnosis? What's yours? So I have cerebral palsy. I have what's known as uh, cerebral palsy, spastic quadriplegic. So it, it's affected by all four limbs. 
I have muscle spasms all the time and I'm really, really tight. Right. Um, so it really affects, it really affects my movement and my fine motor skills. I need help with almost basically every single thing. Um, so as me and you are at camp and sometimes we're chilling out and, and having lunch, you know, and you didn't mind, you know, I need help with, you know, getting things to my mouth. And so you helped me. And I was like, this is kind of cool because because I I am now sitting with uh, the judge <laughs> and she's feeding me. Well, and it's funny about the feeding because, uh, yeah, we were in the campus about four weeks. Charlotte and I came up for, I think, the final week, actually. And it really blew my mind. It just blew my mind in in so many and I do, why I brought it, well, one, that's how I know you, but also um, the the experience of being at Zeno, as much as I've been around disability all of Charlotte's life anyway, it's still, my brain exploded because you'd, you'd look at one person and I think, I don't know if this is, means I'm like a superficial person or if this is just natural, but your brain goes like, oh, okay, that person appears that way. So I bet they're x and y it's like oh no they appear that way but you know cognitively they're fine or they are completely able-bodied and their brain is sort of looping in an interesting way like just when you and then you realize like why am i trying to codify any of it like let's just experience one another i mean this is what you know will and everybody has known for a long time that that it's like it breaks it down why i think it is apropos so this is like this idea of, you know, a, a white person appears, a black person appears, we have judgments, we have, you know, epigenetic business. It's like, how can we, um, how do we be together? One of the things that I would say is like, you know, um, we speak a lot about diversity and in a certain sense, in terms of Hollywood and, you know, if, if you want to be quote unquote woke, Diversity is a hot word, but diversity, it's going to, it's going to take work. And, um, sometimes work involves, you know, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and it's going to involve some pain and it's going to involve some, some honesty. It, it just takes getting to know a person as a person. You know, my natural disposition is like, I want to get to know everybody. There's a curiosity that I have about humanity. So I'll, I'll talk to anybody. And to be, to be honest, one of the things that's really, really painful for me, and maybe you can relate to this as an artist, is like, I'm just really sensitive and you know, I'm not naive. I know we live in a rough world, in a in a very complex world, in a very nuanced world. But so many times, ever since I was a kid, I just I'm just always wondering, like, why can't we just all live on this planet together and just be together? And coming up in the world, you you start to understand, like, so I know the context. I know why we can't do that. But at the same time. Why can't we do that? Why? What's so hard about it? I think that's what we're 
that's beautifully put. And I think, well, I have two thoughts. I'll do the first. You know, something like what what South Africa with Desmond Tutu, the truth and reconciliation, right? I mean, I think what what I keep reading and what we know to be true is that the original sin of this country, which is that we stole, well, two sins, really, that we stole the land from the people that lived there. And then we stole people from Africa. I was going to bring that up. You know, I was thinking one of the things that I've been thinking about is like, I was like, we need to do what what um, Mandela did, you know, once he became like in government, you know, there needs to be, first there needs to be um, just a recognition and an honesty and the truth just saying like we enslaved people we enslaved black people african-americans and as a result there's generation of black opportunity there's there's generations of families being separated there's there's gener there's generations of of ptsd none of these things are discussed and I know that some people, what I'm about to say, maybe consider hyperbole, but we often think in terms of PTSD, in terms of the war zone, or if you're a soldier or if you serve in the military. But to be honest, if you are a Black person, you are, in a sense, in a war zone. I mean, we we literally have to... At a certain point, we have to sit our little ones down and say, like, we live in this world. We have to prepare, you know, when our children are driving age, we have to give them the rules of what to do. We're literally scared of the people who are supposed to protect and serve. But what is that? And what does that mean? And why is there such an unfair treatment to Black people? Because it's not just people of color. I mean, even when it came to World War II and putting agents in internment camp, you know, at a certain point, like America apologized for that. And there was even money given. But when it comes to Black people, oh, there's no way in hell that that could happen. Or it's just like, we're just expected to like, and yet, excuse me, I may break down, but we're just expected to just, just like, just get over it. Like racism was a long time ago. Racism was a long time ago, but because of the, it affects reverberates hundreds of years later, and we're still dealing with PTSD, but get over it. It's your fault. Pick up yourself by your bootstraps. And if you die, it was your fault for wearing a damn hoodie. It wears, even, I don't know George Floyd. I don't know many others who have died, but it just wears on your psyche because America says constantly, you are black. And because you're black, because of the color of your skin and because you're different from us, you are going to die. You are not going to get a fair chance at work or or we're going to just try to take away something as simple as affirmative action. I remember just thinking about in terms of affirmative action, like 
I remember I was watching a stand-up with Chris Rock, and he was saying, white people have had a 400-year head start. Or we just, uh, you know, you guys have already had a 400-year head start. We just want one, we just basically, it's just all affirmative action is, is cracking the door open. It's not making sure you had their job because you still have to bust your ass. And people still look at you funny and don't want you there because, you know, you're black. So it's not like with affirmative action, you're just going to be rich and, like, get all this money. And so I don't know. I want to be more articulate, but I'm angry. I'm really, really, really upset. Why can't the fact that I'm black, why can't that be really really i don't know like cool like why can't we just all like say that we have differences and why can't we just look at it differences enhance the planet we all have strengths we all have weaknesses and if we could just come together and bring everything that we have from each culture this can be an amazing planet but i don't even know it's so painful for me because i don't even know if that's real because Ever since I was a child, it's been told that, you know, that can't happen because, like, somebody's always being shot or, and even if they're shot, like, you know, who cares, who cares if I shoot you? I'm going to get off, like, or all these people are going to find ways to get money from me. So even if I lose my job, I don't have to work again because I killed a black kid or somebody's a black. I may end up wealthy for the rest of my life because I killed somebody and they think that I'm being treated unfairly because I'm a cop that lost my job. So as a result of me killing somebody black, I may end up wealthy because I killed someone. Because I because I killed someone. Do you get that? Like that just wears on the psyche. I can't speak for black people, but it just says we're just constantly told you don't matter. Let's dive into fan questions. Um, Isabel asked, what has been the best advice someone has ever given you and why? Uh, I would say the the best the best advice that's been given to me lately is to just be 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 comfortable with yourself and to just do you and you know you know because sometimes we get concerned about other people and what they think and so like so I've experienced as a disabled person like sometimes because you don't want to be like a, a burden to somebody or like a, a lot of times you're you're in a, like a um i don't know if i'm finding the right word like you know i get it though like take up space for ask take, like not be ashamed for what you need is that yeah yeah like like just just don't be don't be ashamed to ask what you need and 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 just like do you and like don't be a don't be a mean person, don't be a joke, but don't be too concerned about others. Like I don't know if you 
had this thing relating to be as performers, but I find with performers, like we wanna like please other people. Perhaps that's why that's why we're in the trade. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's it's your life, you know, and you're in control of that life. And it's taken me a long time to learn. Um and I I've learned it as an adult, but but also like everybody's not gonna like you and that's okay. You know. Well, and I do think there's, you know, that that intersectionality piece of ableism, patriarchy, and racism, right? So I think that like, you know, we between the two of us, we can speak to those three things. And I what I was thinking before is I think what's real like when I, you know, like just parenting Charlotte, realizing, okay, she's not going to get a high school degree or she, and there's normal, right? Normal's here. Right. And, and all of us, you know, what, and really what normal is, and I just read this really awesome book, uh, Jonathan Mooney, who we have on the show, wrote this book called Normal Sucks. And he, it's an amazing read because the idea of normal is basically like a straight white dude who makes money. <laughs> like it's very specific. So all of us are trying our ideas of success are to emulate straight white guys. I mean, there's no other way to put it, you know, who are able-bodied. And and when you realize, I feel like what's going on now in, it's certainly gone on in my heart as Charlotte's mom and learning, you know, being in Zeno, realizing the tyranny of ableism. It's like, oh, somebody's a successful disabled person because they can sort of like almost be, you know, able-bodied or almost be neurotypical. And it's like, rather than blowing it open. And so I think in the same way, you know, women in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even still, it's like, oh, you're a successful woman if you can run a company like a man, right? It's like, wait a minute. I don't want to emulate a man. You know, you don't want to emulate a white person's success. You know, Charlotte doesn't want to emulate a neurotypical person. So that's to your question of like, why can't we all get along? It's like to expand all of our biases and society's biases to just throw out the normal book, throw out the, what we think is success book. Cause PS like successful white dudes that make money are killing the planet too. It's not sustainable anymore. We got to rethink the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's really an, an interesting time to <laughs> the, 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 the white guy is in a very um, interesting place. And uh I forgot the producer's name, but part of the reason why I think for everything that's going on, like I remember watching an old interview with the, one of the creators of The Wire, and he basically said this, uh, all this going on right now, it's like the last outcry of the white man, because if you if you think about it, like we're evolving and we're changing for the better, not to like for one race to be over another, but and it's not just about race. like women are evolving too, you know. Me too happened, time of ha- like all these things are happening to white men, and they're like, we're on the verge of of like losing our place. But I think what it is is that domination, right? So, you know, when forty five used that yesterday, talk about a dog whistle, right? It's like the domination. It's like that whole model of like we're going to make more and more and more. It's like rather than like we have enough. Like we have to, you know, from the minute the Europeans sort of like left their little continent, um, there's been this one mantra, which is more dominate more people, make more money. There's and and that's that doesn't work. You know, what is our standard? What are our 
really like to your beautiful vision. It's like opening our culture, our society, our own internal hearts to the diversity in our country, in our own selves, right? I mean, again, coming back to Zeno or, or for the if people that are listening, like watch Bulletproof. I don't know how they can, can they watch it? Is it on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could, it's on, uh, it's available on Amazon, Google Play. I think it's available on YouTube. And I'm also like, I did, I did another documentary called Take a Look at This Heart where we uh, delve into uh, disability and sexuality and that's on uh uh that's on amazon you know so um I, I wish we could talk longer because i think like one of the things i think about how art and advocacy sort of connect and i think it's because like actors or musicians when think about it we're just trying to like illuminate and express the human experience and so I think a, a lot of us are yeah I can't speak for everyone but a lot of us definitely have a heart for like life no I I, I love like I mean it's funny when uh, when the haters is like you know why do the Hollywood people like get you know get so political and whatever and um I, I think it's I think it's to your point it's like we naturally put ourselves out there and also What's interesting is like I like last season of Goliath, I played this like baddie. I played this kind of sociopath who on the page is like, ooh, but I my job is to see things from her point of view. So my little heart opens up to a new point of view. We're constantly sort of changing and opening our heart to attempt to see things from different points of view. That's not everybody does that. And it's funny because when you're in our, when you're in your little pod of artists, it's like, we all do it. It's not that noteworthy, but I have a lot of faith actually in human hearts, you know? Yeah. Like you just, we're just going to have to, we're going to have to work. And, um, you know, I, I would, I would love to, if you don't mind, I would love to like, just speak to just, just say something to the white people i would love to like if you consider yourself an ally for me personally i don't speak for anybody else but i would love to see more white people involved in black lives matter and wearing the shirts because it's only it it's only gonna enhance and we're we're truly gonna move along in the country if more we have to have more more intersection like the same thing for like the me too movement and all this stuff going on with with the women being sexually violated w women speaking out is like pertinent and it's and it's needed and they should have their their voices heard and it should be celebrated but it's only gonna help the movement and enhance it even the more if conscious men be a part of it too. We need to start coming together more in our, in our intersections because this is going to sound really hokey. But if if you know what what affects what affects one really does affect us all. Even if you don't notice it, even if you hate people, it's still affecting you because you hate. What affects one affects us all. You know. This is gonna be considered very like liberal and hokey, but we're all we're all connected. And the reason why we're seeing what we're seeing it is because 
we're too individualized. People are like, you know, I feel bad, but that's really not my problem. Yes, it is. You know, I, I weep for like people that I'm not, I'm not even going to see. Like I, I weep for those children in the camps and undocumented workers. Like that's not my personal issue, but it is because I'm a human being. And so if it affects them, it affects me. Oh my God. I love talking to you. We're going to wrap up. I'm going to have you back. We're going to talk more. Um, we do this thing. We, we ask every guest um, to finish this sentence. I am a challenger because. I, I am a challenger because I, I see my challenge. I, I meet my challenge. I embrace my challenge and me and the, instead of running away from the challenge, me and the challenge have become one. Beautiful. You're a poet, my friend. All right. Much love, everybody. Stay safe and um, talk to me on my Facebook challengers page or Twitter, Instagram. Um, don't be alone with everything that's going on. Okay. Be safe. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of The Challengers. As a reminder, you can join me and some very special guests for the weekly live episodes of the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can find the links in the description of this episode. I hope to see you there.